Hi everyone, a quick comment before the episode starts. To keep making these episodes, we need your support. Give us your subscriptions, your likes, your comments. You're tired, you're poor, your huddled masses yearning to be free. Um, Nabila? No? No, it's not that serious. Wherever you're listening, please subscribe, like, leave a review. Leave a comment, turn on that notification bell. And definitely share. But we do want the huddled masses yearning to breathe free. Thank you and enjoy today's episode. central government or the state government to interact with the people at the grassroots directly. You see, that is why local governments are created. The three tiers of government, federal, state, and local government, if you are being followed, if they are being followed properly, we didn't have all these social problems. But the problem is The local government have been virtually killed. And this is not good for this country. It's not good for this country. No, there's, 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 much, there's much we can see to strengthen the local government. Eventually, staff with staffing. Still on North local government, from over 2,000 secretariat staff, they were right sized to 261. And I believe um, that was implemented across all the 23 local governments of the state. And if you look at it, the, there is power sharing uh, between the center and the subunits. And each is uh, coordinated and independent over the functions under its jurisdiction. That is what it's supposed to be. Bank estimates that in 2019, Nigeria's population had grown to more than 200 million people, and the UN projects that we're going to hit 400 million people by 2050. Right now, Nigeria is the seventh most populous country in the world. By 2050, we're going to be the third most populous. And we're under a lot of pressure to develop quickly in order to be able to govern all those people. Nabila and Richard. How are we going to effectively govern and develop 400 million people 30 years from now when we're struggling to govern and develop 200 million people today? Fix local government. Fix local governments. The, the local government should be a viable tier of government, definitely. You see, Nigeria, like other large-sized large, large sized countries like the United States, uh, which are socio-culturally diverse, it will be difficult for the central government or the state government to interact with the people at the grassroots directly. You see, that is why local governments are created. 
That's Professor Adam Anyabe. No relation to our colleague here, Richard Anyabe. Professor Anyabe is from the Department of Public Administration, the Faculty of Administration at Ahmadu Bello University in Zaria. Now, even before any of the post-colonial systems of government, parts of Nigeria already had strong local and regional governments that derived their power through the local traditions and the local communities. The coming of British colonialism suppressed those traditional systems and brought them under a more centralized governance system. This made it a lot easier for the British to administer the Nigerian territory. So basically, they set up a system of government that allowed them to maintain the rule of law and to collect taxes. The centralized system of government that we inherited and have maintained was never meant to enable development. Now, development happens at the grassroots level. You need to know what the people need. And you can't do that effectively when you are governing at the federal or state levels. So that's where the local governments are supposed to come in. And they are expected to be close to the people, to know the aspirations and the expectations of the people at that level and meet those needs as when necessary. This is the essence of the creation of local government. But today, local governments in Nigeria do not work. The three tiers of government, federal, state, and local government, if, you are being followed, if they are being followed properly, wouldn't have all these social problems. But the problem is, The local government have been virtually killed. And that is not good for this country. It's not good for this country. That's President Muhammadu Buhari in an interview with Arise News. And there you have it, straight from the horse's mouth, so to speak. We're supposed to have a local government that does what Professor Ayebe said, but we don't. Those who became the local government chairman have been compromised. If your local government is, say, entitled or is supposed to receive 300 million. A letter will be prepared for you to sign that you have received 300 million and you are given only 100 million. Hmm. Nabila, it sounds like our president is saying that the local government structure has been compromised. That's right. So how did we get to this point? Well, we have to start the journey from the 1960 constitution. This was the law of the land when Nigeria became independent from British rule. But it's important to say that we had local governments even before the British came along. So just before 1960, the Northern region had the Native Authority Law of 1954. The Western region had the Local Government Law of 1952. And the Eastern region had the Eastern Region Local Government Law of 1960. Now, by the time the Nigerian Constitution came along in 1960, it didn't establish a separate local government tier but instead, it recognized the existing regional local government laws and structures. As for the 1960s, they were just extensions of the regions of the, of the provinces. They were not uh, really in the constitution. The matter of constitution even uh, came up, uh, I think, following the 1976 uh, local government reform under, I think, Obasanjo. Uh, then... Uh, later, uh, even when Chagari came into power, there were three other one local governments in Nigeria. There were more extensions of the local government, although 79 definitely made reference to them. The first instance that we could find of the constitution recognizing local governments as a tier of government is the 1979 constitution. And prior to that constitution, 
there were the 1976 local government reforms, which led to the recognition of local governments as a tier of government. Section 7 of the 1979 Constitution says that the government of every state has to ensure the existence of local government councils under the law which defines their structure, their function, and their finances. Hmm. Nabila, if I'm hearing you right, it's clear that the Constitution did not design local government to be autonomous from the state. Right. And what happens under this system without autonomy from the state is that the state and particularly the executive, that's the governor, can get rid of the local government whenever he likes. And the major, even when they're elected, if the chairman are not functioning according to the details of the state governor, do you know the governor can come out there or any guy say they are all dis- dissolved for lack of performance, you know, lack of non, uh, for non-performance. That is the language they use. And then they put in place ethical committees, which are appointees of the state governor. So except they do the division of the governor, as it is now, there is no way the, the local government can enjoy any level of autonomy. You see, they are under this. The state government hold them. We dissolve them at will, even before the attorney and appoint a kicker committee, sole administrator, anything they like. That's what they do. We actually have a recent case of this very scenario happening here. In 2019, Governor Shei Makinde of Oyo State dissolved the 33 local government structures of the whole state and replaced them with ethical committees. In May 2021, the Supreme Court nullified his action. But Richard, it seems like the people who wrote the Constitution, they must have been able to predict this type of outcome. I think they did, but I think they also predicted the outcome of giving local governments full autonomy. I believe the makers of the Constitution were deliberate. You see, they were deliberate in putting that ambiguity there. Because if you make them completely autonomous, uh, very soon we are going to have all sorts of problems, especially all this agitation. Because people are talking about state police. In the, uh, in, the first, in the First Republic, there was even native authority police. You see, look at what is happening even in the local government election conducted by the State Electoral Commission. In fact, any party in power in that city with all the these chairmen, uh, chairman, chairman seats and uh, all the councilorship seats, the opposition has no way. So if they combine with police, I think you can imagine what will happen. The 1999 constitution recognizes 768 local governments, though we've since increased to 774. So imagine if you gave each of these full autonomy. You give them rights over their finances, security, land rights. You basically have 774 different countries. Exactly. So it's a delicate balance between giving local governments a reasonable level of autonomy and making sure they still align with the direction that the state and the federation need to go. If you give autonomy, uh, absolute autonomy to local government as it is now, I call it reasonable autonomy. Absolute autonomy, uh, you are going to have things you may not like to see. In fact, there was a time when I even gave that kind of autonomy and call it a presidential system of local government. There was a state in the north here where the military governor uh, invited the local government chairman to the state headquarters. The whole place was full of sirens. Everybody, so people don't come on time because they are independent. So it can be, it can be abused.
Okay, Nabila, Richard, let's set aside the issue of absolute power corrupting absolutely for now. Though I admit that's a very important issue. There is still the fact that we have 200 million people and we're going to be 400 million by the year 2050. We need a system of government that can develop that population. Yes, and according to Professor Anibé, when local governments are working properly, they should serve this purpose. Yes, in fact, a level of autonomy, a visible level of autonomy given to them should be able to serve as impetus for development at that level. When the grassroots, the local areas, the rural areas are developed, even this uh, rural urban migration will be reduced. And then definitely if the rural areas are really developed because many of the local government uh, areas are rural. Only very few are in the urban centers. If you develop the rural areas very well, employment, business activities going on. I believe all these uh, these uh, huge insecurity we have in the country will be drastically reduced. The, the, local, the rural areas need to be touched. Some of them don't even have... In fact, I watched a, a, a television debate on AT the other day where it is said that even there are some areas in this country where elections are never held. So they don't even see the impact of government. They don't even know what Nigeria is all about. How we trust people not fall into the hands of these criminals for recruitment. But this autonomy would be autonomy on a leash. You see, but I'm also one of the advocates of the fact that apart from giving autonomy to local government, the issue of transparency and accountability at that level is also very, very important. You see, so we don't give autonomy that will be abused. The executive capacity should be strengthened. And then things should be made uh, more transparent than what it is. Okay, Nabila, we're at a point in history when we need to bring more people on board to the Nigerian experiment. And as Professor Anyabe points out, the government right now is not reaching the rural areas. We have a growing population and, of course, the poorest borders. So these areas are becoming recruitment grounds for anyone who wants to plant their own flag in Nigeria. That's right, like Boko Haram, bandits, IPOB. So my question is, how do we strengthen local government so that the reach of government goes far and wide? That's where we have people, process and technology, PPT. Get the right people to perform the right tasks and enable them with the right technology. PPT is a methodology that was popular in the 1960s to transform organizations. So big industrial plants that needed to improve on efficiency would use PPT. And since 2015, the Kaduna State Government has actually been applying the principles of PPT to strengthen local government. We spoke to the former vice chairman of Kaduna North Local Government, Honorable Mukhtar Baloni. I'm the outgoing vice chairman of Kaduna North Local Government and the chairmanship aspirant of Kaduna North Local Government, APC, uh, for the 2021 um, local government elections in Kaduna State. And according to him, before the Aerofile-led government was inaugurated in 2015, Kaduna North local government was struggling to provide the necessary public services. In the case study of Kaduna North local government prior to 2015, they had issues with people. Maybe they had too many, or maybe the people they had didn't have the right skills, or maybe they were not matched to the right tasks. 
um, Kadnanov local government, for example, being the most metropolitan local government in the state, had uh, over 2,000 workers just in its secretariat. And then it had over um, 2,000 teaching staff too that were supposed to teach at its educational facilities, that's its primary schools. And um, as a result of that, they were barely able to pay salaries, even though um, their salary ranged from between 7,000 Naira and all the way to like 200,000 Naira. But they were barely able to pay the salaries of those people because, as you can imagine, there were so many um, of them to be paid. Now, Kaduna North local government prior to 2015 also had challenges with effective participation. You had um, arbitrary removal of um, funds belonging to the local government to service um, various activities at the state government level. And this was usually done with little or no input from the leadership of the local government at any given time. Um, this led to, you know, financing various stuff like uh, road construction, you know, and other activities that were not immediately beneficial to the people of that particular local government. That's an example of one of the processes that was not being followed in the most optimal way. And as you heard, it cost the people valuable time and resources that they could have used to develop what they actually needed. Another process that was corrupted involved the collection of taxes. You had the issue of um, internal generated revenue not formalized, where um, chairman of local government were just giving it out, um, giving out the administration of taxes to their political friends and beneficiaries. And um, you had a very unregulated sector where you couldn't even differentiate between a local government operative for taxes and a, an unlicensed tout, for example. And um, this remained um, an issue for multiple taxation, obviously on businesses, up until 2015 when reforms were rolled out. Now, the reforms that the RFI government put in place hit directly at the heart of people and process. First, um, he right-sized the local government's uh, public service. So uh, still on Kadnanoth local government, from over 2,000 secretariat staff, they were right sized to 261. And I believe um, that was implemented across all the 23 local governments of the state. A memo was sent out that um, no local government should have more than 261 secretarial administrative staff. And also there's what we call the local government educational authority. That's like the um, administrative block of um, all the primary schools. So before 2015, there were more than um, 500 LGEA staff, and um, they were also right-sized to just 60 in number. So those were the two things he did as to right-sizing the um, public service at the local government level. Nabila, they went from over 2,000 secretariat staff to 261, and then from over 500 LGEA staff to 60. That's a tenfold reduction in civil service. Yes, Governor Arafai is not popular with Kaduna civil service. And he didn't stop with people. Process was also reformed. And then also um, with regards to control, there is um, a statutory meeting that happens every month 
So just like the FAC meetings that happen every month at the federal government level, there's the Joint Allocations Accounts Committee meeting. That's the JAC meeting that happens every month between the state government and the local governments. So that was brought back and implemented. And um, every month, you know, um, a roundtable um, sort of presentation is made by the state government to um, inform the local governments how much is um, supposed to go to them um, from the FAC account. And um, any deductions that was supposed to take place is usually with the inputs and the signature of the leadership of the local government. So that led to a drastic reduction from arbitrary deductions from the um, local government account. Kaduna also passed a local government reform law in 2018 to strengthen the local government election process. And um, that law was what um, gave birth to the elections of the um, local government chairman and councillors. So before that, um, the administration of the local governments was usually uh, what we call a hybrid system, whereby the councillors are um, supposed to be appointed as like local government commissioners, while um, the ones that are not appointed, that is the councillors that are not appointed, are just left out there without portfolios. So the reforms led to a presidential system of local government administration, where the councillors were now the legislators, while the chairman and vice chairman remain the executive um, heads of um, the administrative unit. And to enable the local government elections, Kaduna completed a PPT methodology by adopting electronic voting technology in their 2018 local government elections. Um, the state electoral commission's law was also reformed that allowed for electronic voting. I think um, the state government is the only, um, you know, government that has, you know, adopted electronic voting so far in the country and even beyond. I think even uh, Africa-wide, there's not a lot of adoption of electronic voting. But that happened in 2018. So those were a few of the reforms majorly that happened after the coming of his administration. Hmm. These sound like major moves, and congratulations to Kaduna State. And the question I have is, is it making a difference? Well, obviously, Honorable Baloney and the Kaduna State government say yes. It's been three years since Kaduna State has been practicing the new system of local government. Well, the impact is now uh, local governments are able to undertake projects like they were known to do before. And um, local governments are now having a bigger say in um, overall governance of the society especially in Kaduna State, you know, like um, some troubled local governments that um, are faced with insecurity problems, like Birningwari, Giwa local governments, their leaderships have actually um, played a huge part in, you know, supporting the federal troops and security services and also complementing their um, efforts by um, equipping the community polices at the local government level to stem the tide of insecurity. If you come to um, the metropolitan areas like Kaduna North local government, Kaduna South, Zaria local government, a lot of communal projects have um, been initiated and executed by the local governments to complement what the state government is doing, like um, arterial roads, markets have been built, uh, motor parks have been refurbished and upgraded. 
and um, some schools have also been renovated by the local government. So that's the on-the-ground impact of um, the reforms, I believe. Mm, Nabila, what strikes me about what he just said is the emphasis on participation in overall governance. It sounds like they're able to get the projects that they need to get done. Yes, and it's not just about what they need to get done at the local government level. According to Honorable Baloney, the local government has been an important partner to the state in achieving its mandate as well. Also, we are able to help the state government and the federal government by an extension in various programs like um, the community management of acute nutrition. You know, we have a lot of people facing that um, where we give them um, what we call the RUTF um, to feed their babies that are facing malnutrition. And um, also in the management of coronavirus, um, the local governments have really played a huge role, especially at the primary healthcare level. You know, all the vaccination centers currently being uh, used in Kaduna State are at the primary healthcare centers, all built, um, but the local government support them by um, um, giving them overheads to run. And also we pay 60% of the um, salaries of the primary healthcare workers, while the state government pays 40%. These all sound like wonderful achievements. How sustainable are they? Will Kaduna go back to the way things were once El Rafai leaves government? Well, that's the million dollar question. The reason why the PPT methodology starts with people is because once you have the right people, everything else falls into place. So to ensure that the reforms are sustainable, Kaduna would have to find a way to make sure that only the best and brightest are empowered to be in the local government. And as Professor Anyebe points out, a very common problem with local government is the quality of staff. You see, some of the staff are not even literate. Some of the staff are not exposed. Somebody who has maybe counted the past 200,000 naira in his life before. But because he's close to the governor, he's elected a chairman and he's has 15 million. How will you think he will not go bizarre? He will just intoxicate beyond recognition. This is a problem. And for Kaduna State, they've taken on the challenge of competency in local government. So in um, the 2021 uh electoral cycle for the um, elections of the new local governments. I know that the Kaduna state government encouraged the APC as a party because, you know, it's an APC-led state government. They were able to influence and encourage the party to put in more checks into vetting um, aspiring candidates. Um, you know, Kaduna state's APC was the first... Um, you know, to actually roll out an interview-like process to vet candidates. There was a proper thorough screening process. And along the way, a lot of people were screened out that were deemed to not be technically sound enough to handle the administrative part of local government. So um, that, I believe, has been one of the major, um, you know, steps being taken to ensure that um, the right people are given the right uh, um, mandate to lead the people. In some cases, the risks are just too high to allow for incompetent local government officials. And also, uh, I must add here that um, some local governments have budgets that are way higher than any ministry at the state government level. 
So the state government thought it wise not to just allow anybody to be able to contest. Um, it's better um, their technical abilities are tested to the best um, of their ability, and then to to see whether um, they're right they're right fit for the job. So that happened in this concluded exercise at the primaries um, election level. And obviously, I believe um, a lot of changes are going to be seen with this new crops of um, intending chairmanship and councillorship aspirants at the local government level. Nabila, Richard, this case study from Kaduna North Local Government, it's a great example of the PPT methodology in practice. But I do need to point out that in the business world, the final outcome of applying the methodology is organizational transformation, which, if it's done correctly, it hits at the heart of the culture of an organization. And shifting culture takes a generation of consistently practicing under a new system of behavior. So is Kaduna State committed to practicing this new system of local government for the long term? Well, if the people of Kaduna State at the grassroots get the backing of civil society organizations to keep demanding improvements in local government, then yes. But if they're just going through the motions because it's being forced from the top, then once the top leaves, they will revert back to the comfort and convenience of the old system. Power, devolution, and autonomy. These are two words or phrases that I often hear spoken when people discuss the issue of local government and even of state government. We in Africa often forget that with great power comes great responsibility. Our thinking stops at power. Once we get the power, we have no clue what to do with it because we don't have a sense of responsibility. So we squander the power and then sit back and play the victim. So maybe we need to change the way we speak about power. Then by changing the way we speak, we'll change the way we think about power. And from there, we can change the way we act when we are empowered. So let's start with the way we speak. The devolution of powers from federal to state and then from state to local government is actually not about power. It's about sharing in the responsibilities. It's about being provided resources to execute the responsibilities and then being held accountable for execution. For most of those people who are making noise about the devolution of power, if you instead start to talk about the responsibilities of power, many of them will fall silent because they want power for the sake of power. They're not thinking about how they will deliver on the responsibilities of power. They're just thinking about the outward appearances of power, the government cars, government house, the title, the adoration, the respect. So let's change the term power devolution to responsibility sharing or responsibility transfer. The same thing goes for the word autonomy. Autonomy is not the end goal of autonomy. Children want to be autonomous, but what that means is that they should be able to support themselves. They should be self-reliant. So maybe instead of saying local governments should be autonomous, how about we say that they should be self-reliant? That means they need to be given responsibilities and then a bit of room to grow into those responsibilities. Autonomy is just window dressing. Self-reliance, on the other hand, well, that's the window. I know it seems like we're just playing with words, 
Why does it matter if we call it responsibility sharing instead of powered evolution, or we call it self-reliance instead of autonomy? It matters because the frame through which we view power shifts dramatically when it's no longer about power, but about the responsibilities that come with the power. And when we demand that leaders start to bear the mental weight of responsibility rather than the physical appearance of power, their behavior will shift. Many of them will drop out. Those that remain will start to think long-term. They start planning for our existential future rather than the next election cycle. With this mindset of responsibility, they begin to play the infinite game. But if we continue to focus our words and therefore our attention and actions on absolute power alone, we will continue to spin in the endless circle of absolute corruption. The Backstory is brought to you by Triple E Media Productions. Production copyright 2021 Triple E Media Productions. If you enjoyed this episode of The Backstory and want to hear more, subscribe to our 234 Audio YouTube channel. Episodes of this podcast and our other podcasts can also be found on our website, 234audio.com, as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Backstory was produced by Richard Anyabe, Nabila Usman, Dominic Tabakaji, and Sam Tabakaji. Executive Producer, Ramat Muhammad. Special thanks to Professor Adam Anyabe, Honorable Mukhtar Baluni, Rabia Hadeja, and Mala Iwa Bagduo Ikaleku. If you are interested in sponsoring this program, reach out to us at 0818-230-1234 or email us at info at 234audio.com. I'm Ramat Mohammed. See you next week.